0: Wes Stafford describes the horror of his boarding school. He was only 10 when the house parent there at his boarding school marches him into the dining room in front of his classmates. He drags a metal chair to the center of the room and throws Wesley into the chair. The house parent takes a pink birthday candle but he has taken a knife to shave the blunt end so that he can expose the wick at both ends of this candle. He shouts to the the children, "'Children, you cannot serve both God and Satan. Wesley has tried.'" And then he strikes the match and lights both ends of the candle, now shaking in Wesley's hands. "'You cannot burn a candle at both ends without getting burned,' he threatens." The last four years of Wesley's life have been filled with abuse. He's the child of missionaries serving in West Africa, and missions policy requires that children over the age of six go to this boarding school. But the school is filled with abuse. Letters home are censured. In math, when he's learning to 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 take averages, he realizes the thing that happens most frequently in his life is abuse. Abuse, an average of 17 times a week, he figures out. He's threatened. You you can't tell your parents. They're told, if you tell what happens here, you'll destroy your parents' ministry. And so the candle burns between his his fingers. His abuser tells the, the assembled children, this boy is Satan's tool. The devil is going to use him to destroy his ministry if he tells. There will be Africans in hell because of this boy. Wesley laments, our abusers used our love for God, our love for our parents, our love for our African neighbors to abuse us to silence us to the horrors of this place. He says, The very people who should have been our defenders were, in fact, our attackers. The very people who should have been our defenders were our attackers. Ezekiel takes the image of a shepherd beautiful image. You heard it in the hymn we just sang, but he, he uses it to bring judgment against the kings of Judah, the shepherds of the people. They should have defended Judah. They should have defended the people of God. Instead, they attacked God, it takes the image of a shepherd to confront and condemn them. And so listen to the word of God. Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them brutally and harshly. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord." As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock, So that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness." I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them, See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns, until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another." Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, your word comes with with such weight. And yet, Lord, I know that in my own heart, I am quick to step out of the way of your judgments. I'm quick to let others take the blame to justify myself. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would bring conviction, first to my heart, and then to those that listen. But, Lord, let us not only see your judgment, but hear of your grace and your mercy. Let us see how you care for and love and protect your people. Let us see the promises that you make. And so, Father in heaven, I pray that you would apply your word into our hearts, that we would learn the truths of Scripture, so we might love and serve you. Lord, we come praying in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. The imagery of shepherds leading the people is one, not merely common in the, in the Bible, but common throughout the ancient world. Many ancient peoples would have described their kings like shepherds, caring for the people, their flock. And so it's an image that is, that is used throughout Scripture. We, we sang those words from Psalm 23, those beautiful remembered words. But the, the condemnation then is brought against the shepherds of Judah, the shepherds of Israel, the kings, who were meant to be the ones to lead God's people, to protect God's people. It's a common refrain, such that, that it, it appears Ezekiel is, is borrowing it from Jeremiah. Actually, some commentators, some commentators wonder that, that maybe Ezekiel even had the scroll of Jeremiah before him as he preached. That this was merely his his recounting of this is what God had said. Because we hear in, in Jeremiah chapter 23, the condemnation is brought against evil shepherds. In Jeremiah 23, we read, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people because you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out from all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. See, Ezekiel takes that prophetic warning from Jeremiah and he applies it now to the people in exile. Because remember, historically, where we are, Chapter 34 of Ezekiel follows chapter 33, which seems obvious, but in some of the prophets, the order of the chapters appears chronologically mixed up. But in Ezekiel, he he follows a very logical chronology, such that in chapter 33, we found that the city of Jerusalem, the capital city, the last stronghold, has been destroyed. The Babylonians have breached the walls, the king is gone the temple toppled everything is hopeless and so the judgment is announced this is what god was doing bringing judgment against the evil kings of israel the evil kings of judah who who merely who merely take for themselves from the flock look at verse 3 They eat the curds. They clothe themselves with the wool. They slaughter the choice animals, which are ordinary actions of a shepherd, except that they don't care for the flock. Verse 4 presses the, the, the condemnation. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. That's what the kings of Israel have done. And so God declares himself to be the judge. Verse 10 announces it. The, the word of the Lord coming to the shepherds. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. It's a word of judgment, condemnation for sin and rebellion. But, but even here, there is a glimmer of hope. How does God describe the people? As a flock. They're following a shepherd, of course. But he describes them as my flock. A a, a description that is repeated. My flock, my my sheep. They they belong to God. So much so that then, then God steps up in verse 11 and says, in contrast to what the shepherds have done, this is what I will do. Look at verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, now now that's just, that's just the, the introductory formula. It's repeated throughout Ezekiel's prophecy. But did you hear it? This is what the sovereign Lord says. God is speaking to his people. He has not abandoned them. The exile doesn't mean they, they are, they are out, of, out of the bounds of his love. No, no, God speaks to his people. And he is the sovereign, the king, the ruler with all authority and power. He is their Lord, Yahweh their covenant God, speaking to them. And so he makes this promise in verse 11. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And then the promises just continue to flow, where God says, I will rescue them. I will bring them out from the nations. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them. I will tend them in good pasture. I myself, verse 15, will tend my sheep and have them lie down. God will do all that the shepherds of Israel failed to do. So much so that look at verse 16. As God builds these promises, it, it's really a, a, a repetition but, but reversed of verse 4. In verse 4, this is what, this is what the evil Kings of Judah did. They did not strengthen the weak, but God strengthens the weak. They did not heal the sick, but God heals the sick. God binds up the afflicted. God does that which a shepherd should have always done. God succeeds where the shepherds of Israel failed. And and Ezekiel pushes us to the brink to recognize that there is nothing we could do to save ourselves. He pushes us to the very edge to realize only God's intervention— only God's sovereign, divine intervention could do anything. Because what hope do the people have left? Could, could they raise an army and, and take back the land? No, they're a weak people. The army has been scattered. Perhaps the, the king, he's, he's not dead. Remember, he, he begs at, at the king of Babylon's throne. Maybe we could get him back, back on the throne. But what good would that do then? For they would merely be reverting to a evil shepherd. Remember, all of the final kings of of Judah were declared by God to be evil. And so God is pushing them to the very edge to recognize there's nothing we could do. There's no hope left for us unless God, in verse 11, intervenes. Unless God says, I will do this. God is showing himself to be the good shepherd. That's the promise we, we heard in Jeremiah 23. That's the the promise of the psalm that we sang, Psalm 23, that that most famous of songs, written by David, whose job, you know, whose, whose, whose resume says shepherd king. Like, literally, those were his jobs. And so the shepherd king shepherds God's people and gives us that beautiful image in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is the shepherd of his people. That's the promise. It's the the promise echoed then by by the prophet Micah, picking up on this Old Testament language, where Micah in chapter 2 has the promises of God that he will shepherd his people, he will gather them together. Micah 2, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like, a sh- like sheep in a pen, like f- flock in a pasture. The place will throng with people. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. The king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. Do you hear the promise? The Lord is the shepherd king who will care for his people, protect his people, love his people, and lead his people. Now, perhaps, you like me, when you think of shepherds, because I didn't grow up in sheep country. When you think of shepherds, you picture the, the, the rolling green pastures of, of Ireland, the shepherd walking slowly in front of his flock, as if tourists are just, can just stop by at any time to, to capture the scene. This idyllic picture of a gentle shepherd leading his sheep. And yes, there is something here in that imagery, in that metaphor. But that's really the picture of a settled community, a settled farming community where you have fences. This is where we keep the sheep. This is where we do the farming. We are safe and secure from, from threats. See, in the ancient world, shepherds lived a much more dangerous life. And the hills of Judea aren't quite as green as the hills of Ireland. Yes, in the springtime, the, the grass does come up, but you have to cover wide areas with your sheep. And you're always on danger, not, not merely from the, the wild animals in these in these territories, but from from those who would plunder your sheep, from from enemies that the enemies of uh, that, that would come warring parties coming through. The the work of a shepherd is is dangerous, such that, that one one commentator suggests we don't we don't need the the picture of an idyllic shepherd, there in the green pastures. know what we need is closer to the picture of a cowboy in the wild west. There are. There are wranglers who are going to come. There are, there are cattle rustlers coming to steal the crowd. And, and this is the cowboy. This is the, the sheriff with his, with his hand on the gun who will step into the street and fight for what is right. This is John Wayne standing and staring down the enemy. So you and I need not merely a gentle shepherd, not a shepherd who comes meet with mere tenderness. We need a tough and valiant warrior. Because we need a a, a shepherd who can protect us, yes. Yes, the image here is is of one of of rescue. The tenderness of one who rescues us, who searches for us, who, who binds our wounds, who strengthens us when we're weak. But it is also the picture of toughness. He will search through the ravines for you. He will hunt you down. He will find you and rescue you. He will destroy the enemies. He will fight the wild animals. He is the shepherd who will protect his people. And that's the promise that God makes. God says that he will save his flock. But this toughness then means that God comes with words of judgment. God will do what is right. Look at verse 16. Yes, God strengthens the weak. He binds up the injured, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. He will bring justice, even not merely against the, the kings of Israel, but look at verse 17. He turns up to the flock, to the people themselves. He, he separates between those that are, that, are, that are taking for themselves, the leaders of the people, the lay leadership of the people of Israel. And in verse 17, he says, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. To the images of, of the, the rich, the wealthy, the powerful, pushing aside those with less, taking all they want but trampling under everything else, drinking from the clear water, yet muddying it with their filthy feet so that no one has anything left. But God says, I will bring judgment even here. And that's the judgment that you and I need. The promise of a, of a shepherd who will protect his people and care for them. And then God continues this this prophecy he continues the image. I, I stopped partway through the chapter, but we're going to we're going to conclude this chapter We're going to continue to read it because god offers then hope for the people hope of that shepherd who will guide them a hope of Everything changed and transformed not merely going back to the land of israel To rebuild the walls of the city, but a promised future Where there will be no danger or fear a, a future that is still to come The promise when God fixes everything. And so so listen, as as I conclude this chapter, we're going to start at verse 23. We're back in Ezekiel 34, verse 23. God makes this promise. I will place over them one shepherd. My servant David, he will tend them. He will tend them and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of wild beasts so that they may live in the desert and sleep in the forest in safety. I will bless them. In the places surrounding my hill, I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees of the field will yield their fruit, and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who have enslaved them, they will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You, my people, the sheep of my pasture, are people, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Do you hear the promises that God is making to his people? A promise of lasting peace, of certain security. There is no danger, there is no worry, there is no famine, there is no fear. God is making the promise, I, I am your God. You are my people. A promise of blessing that is secure, and it comes, we see. Back in verse 23, through one shepherd, through David. Not, not David resurrected, but through the true descendant of David, where God puts his servant on the throne. God is the good shepherd. And those are familiar words to us. You know where this is going. It's not a surprise when, when we hear those words again, then, in the Gospel of John. And so, so you can turn there to, to John chapter 10, where Jesus, coming in the, in, in, in the fullness of his ministry, makes the announcement, claims the titles here of the Old Testament. In John chapter 10, in verse 11, we, we have the, the promise of the tender yet tough shepherd king. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is saying it directly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the hired hand. He's not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep. He runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I the Father— Do you hear the bold declaration? Jesus stepping onto the scene and saying, I am the good shepherd. The one shepherd that you hoped for, I am the good shepherd. And so the people respond, we see in John 10, thinking he must be mad. He must be demon-possessed or a lunatic. This is not the language of an ordinary person. This is not a mere metaphor. Yes, it is a metaphor that Jesus is a shepherd, but it's more than that because, what is it? It is the bold declaration. Jesus is saying, I am the promised Messiah. I am the shepherd promised by Jeremiah. I am the shepherd promised by Ezekiel. I am the Lord your God standing in your midst. So much so that that when, when, when he continues in verse 27, describing the sheep that he's calling to himself, verse 27, the people recognize what he's doing. He is claiming to be God, and and so we read in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now it's clear. He's claiming to be God so that the people pick up stones to end this blasphemy. This is a claim of divinity. The promised salvation has arrived. And how does it arrive? Not through a shepherd who plunders his people, who takes from them, but the shepherd who gives his life. The shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He's not like the shepherds of of Ezekiel, the, the bad and evil shepherds who kill their sheep merely to, to profit themselves. He is the good shepherd who gives his life. He is the good shepherd who, when he calls out, his sheep hear his voice and respond and follow him to receive the gift of eternal life. And so, so the demand placed on you is clear. To put your trust in Jesus, the good Shepherd, if you've not acknowledged him to be the rescuer, the savior, then turn from your sin and find the gift of eternal life. He is offering it to you now. And for us as a a church, it also, though, comes with warning because Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who will fight off the, the, the evil around us. He is the one who will bring judgment and condemnation. He is the one with absolute authority and so this is still a frightening image and for someone whose title includes the word pastor shepherd it's a warning to love the church as christ loved you for each of us in the church the flock of god it's a reminder of the ways in which we should care for one another it's a word of, of gospel hope. Jesus is offering eternal life. You and I as a church have a mission. We know the good shepherd. We know the judgment which comes. We know his tenderness. And so we are called to announce the good news. The good shepherd loves and protects. The good shepherd is the one who, who gives us hope here and now, but, but hope of a restoration in the future. It, it, it's the image then that is it, that picked up at the end of the Bible in, in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, we, we find the picture of Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Lamb who was slain, the, the sacrifice for our sins. In Revelation 7, 17, we read For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear. From their eyes. See, we need the warrior shepherd king who comes with tenderness to give his life, but we need the king who raises his, himself up from the dead to conquer sin and death so that we have the, the promise of that coming future when there will be no more fear, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more worry or anxiety because God himself is with us. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Wes Stafford waited decades to tell the stories of abuse from those who should have been protecting him at his missionary boarding school. The school was thankfully eventually shuttered. The the mission's agency's requirements for education changed. The abusers were finally held accountable. But the children carry the scars. Wes actually... explains his whole life based on that pink candle. He says his life divided into into two there. The BC, the before the candle part of his life, the eighty, the the after the destruction of his life. Because in that moment, as that candle burned, the anger inside of him grew at the injustice he was seeing. And as that hot, wax blistered his flesh he determined then that when he was big enough when he had power he would use it to protect children and so he gave his life to the ministry of compassion international the child sponsorship program that cares for children around the world in the name of christ serving now as their president emeritus Wes realized that true love would protect the vulnerable, that true love would bring the guilty to justice, that someone needed to intervene. A true shepherd loves and protects. The true shepherd offers us hope of eternal life, restored and perfect. The true shepherd wipes away our tears. Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd who gave my life for the sheep. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, your your judgment hits us hard. For we know the the sin and the brokenness in our lives. We are those who have been hurt and harmed. And so we put our, our trust in you. The God who judges, the God who restores, the God who wipes away our tears. But Lord, we also recognize that that judgment falls upon each one of us. That we, like sheep, have gone astray. But you are the God who chased us down. You sent Jesus to be the good shepherd, to give his life for us. So give us the faith to believe in him. Lord, make us a church that is joy-filled and bold in our proclamation of this gospel truth. Lord, we rejoice in the work of Jesus Christ, our shepherd, the good shepherd, who gave himself for us. We pray in his name. Amen.